It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. You can find Blackballed on The Ringer NFL feed. It's the Full Goal, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears. Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the full go. Love the full go. The full go. The full go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What, what episode is this? What episode is this? This is 224. 224. Three away from Tony Gill's magical 227 that he was looking forward to last pod. Man, Tony. There's see? no place like home. That's <laughs> hey, 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 that's that's what did it. The 227 <laughs> reference. <laughs> they was like, wait a minute. He about to get he about to get black as hell on here. We got we got to rein this. This is middle management Tony out here. We got to rein this in, you know. If you're gonna get that white shirt, you know what I mean? If you if you're gonna stop yeah, messing around with yeah. the blue collar activity, we got this man making two two seven references and shit, you know. He out here acting up. He, he wearing a robe on Sundays. He get, Tony got too comfortable out here in these podcast streets, you know. What I mean, we had to we we had to mess around, and you know, he had to get that one glory tear coming out his eye. That's what they do. They always try to make sure they get that one tear coming down your eye. But God damn it, it ain't gonna happen. And not here, not now. All right, welcome into episode two twenty four of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. I am him, and the voices that you have already heard are that of my immaculate production staff and the crew. You know, not even the production staff, the crew. You already know who they are. The active Jesse Lopez and my main man, Tony Gill. And that other voice you just heard, ladies and gentlemen, is that of the man who has become the king of all media in the city of Chicago. I am so proud to call this dude a friend. 
Uh, he has been all things big brother, kind of like we never had a mentor mentee kind of vibe because he know that I wasn't a good follower and I didn't. That's heed, not true. I didn't heed very good advice very early on. So he just stopped giving it to me. But you, you can read this man's columns <laughs> in Chicago sometimes. <laughs> of course, you can hear him middays, right? With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. Uh, he is the owner and proprietor of the House of L Network, a podcast. Make sure you check out every single one of those pods, Sports Adjacent and everything uh, underneath that umbrella. Of course, you hear my guy Tony Gill on that as well. But before we get to my man, Lawrence, let me say this really quickly, because I have, I've had Bulls fans on my line. Yeah, I've had the Bulls fans who've been questioning things and saying things. And Are you even a Bulls fan? I hear your pod. Love the pod, by the way. But I hear your pod, and all you do is shit on the Bulls. And no, no, you look at it that way, and I look at it a different way. I look at it as being what I expect this team to be. And let me tell you right now, what we saw Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon, because it was one of those weird-ass Sunday afternoon Los Angeles Lakers or L.A. Clippers games. We can blame that on Jesse and that whole left coast thing out there. But, man, that's the expectation. That's the standard right there. Everybody talk all these buzzwords and catchphrases about the standards. Nah, man, fuck all that. How tough are you? How smart are you? How many shots can you create or hit? How long can you play suffocating defense and they did it and they did it i was happy to see it because let's face it micro you want to see them play good basketball macro <laughs> this offseason is going to be interesting and a little bit of what you saw tonight i should say because we're we're uh sitting here recording at 9 18 sunday evening so a little bit of what you saw this evening i think that's gonna play into this offseason Never, ever, ever get it out of your mind, get it out of your head what happens to a player when they play in front of somebody. When they play in front of somebody, either they want to prove right, when they want to impress, or or when they want to show, hey, this is what it looks like over here, and you be a goddamn fool to think that Anthony Davis and LeBron James ain't look over at Zach Levine and go, hey, man, you know, whenever you, whenever you tie to DeMar DeRozan, all in the videos... <laughs> <laughs> all on the records. <laughs> Come on over to Los Angeles Lakers row. Now, I, hey, Rich Paul was in the front row. C- Clutch Sports CEO, right? He's there because he got two clients on the floor. He's there quite often unless he's handling business. But who does he have on that floor, ladies and gentlemen? He had LeBron James and Anthony Davis on that floor. But on the other side of the coin, he had Zach Levine on that floor. And what Zach Levine went out there and did was prove himself once again to the big dogs and to himself and to the fans. This month of March has been spectacular. Offensively, he has been one of the 10 best players in the NBA. This is why you signed him to a max deal, because you expect for his game to not only be refined, but to be consistently excellent. And for this month, with DeMar DeRozan and his right side of his body issues, whether it be the groin or the hip, right, or, or the adductor muscle, whatever's going on over there. You know, he had 10 assists today, 17 points. Every time they trapped him, couldn't wait to get rid of that thing. Shout out to Darvin Ham, by the way, because if Darvin Ham hadn't started having Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder pick those dudes up full court at the end of that second quarter, that ball wouldn't have gotten out of DeMar DeRozan's hands. If you notice what the Bulls look like against the Lakers, they look like the Alonzo Ball-led Bulls, which is throw that thing up, throw that thing ahead, and let's run out a little bit. And Pat Beverly 
and and Patrick Williams in the time that he had it, Zach Levine in the time that he had it. And of course, I'm going to say this right now because I tweeted it and I, y'all have been listening to the pod. And if you have, I appreciate you. If this is your first time through, fuck you. You should have been here a long time ago, but we appreciate you too. Kobe White, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if y'all are watching, but it's happening. A real player, a winning player is developing right before our eyes. Everything that we didn't see out of Lowry Marketing when he was here, right? Everything that we <laughs> haven't seen so far out of Patrick Williams, even though it's coming all along, along in a slower place. And this is also a thing that made me think, like, what if Patrick Williams is just an absolute monster when Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan aren't on the court? And that's the only time he turns on. Because I was thinking about, like, what was it going to take? Because the slow incremental steps aren't fast enough for a lot of people. And maybe just maybe, like Stan Van Gundy said right here on his pod, you know, when's the last time that dude's been the man on the team? You know, it didn't happen in high school, believe it or not, right? It didn't happen at Florida State. And these last three or so years, he's been trying to find his way in the NBA. Being a man, you got to get, you know, you got to, that's got to be a part of your DNA very early. And you got to get taught that or forced that, right? But the Kobe White piece to this, the development and, if you're going to give Billy Donovan and those boys some grief for lack of adjustments or all the other things or the Bulls staff organization as a whole for not developing players, then shout out to Mo Cheeks and anybody that's been around Kobe White. But more importantly, shout out to Kobe White because Kobe White played this shit like a professional. All we talked about the last two off seasons was what Kobe White's market value was going to be. If you can move them. Oh, Rudy Gobert's on the trade block. By the way, I'm watching Rudy Gobert and the Minnesota Timberwolves play the Warriors right now on my television. And to think that an ownership group gave up five first-round picks for that motherfucker right there is amazing. It is amazing. You kidding me? Walker Kessler right now is in Utah doing the same shit. <laughs> the same thing. Being a tall man in front of the rim. And they didn't have to give up five first-round picks for him. So it's still, to me, it's still mind-blowing that that happened. But man, Kobe White heard all that talk. And more importantly, and this is what I always lean on, and this is why I love basketball the way I do. I love sports, period. Because some people are here for the championship. Some people are here for the hate. Let's face it. There's a lot of people who just wake up every day and don't have anything better to do than to get mad about their favorite team or favorite player. I am here for the actualization and realization of professional talent. There is nothing more rewarding for me as a sports fan, hell, as a fan of music, as a fan of art, as a fan of film, than when you see your favorite actor get on that screen and you've been riding with him through them bullshit miniseries, you've been riding with him through a sitcom appearance or two, and then goddammit, he get on the big stage and he make you proud. He's like, yo, it's there. You know it's there now. That's how I feel about Kobe White. Kobe White has been my favorite bull this season, and now that I think about it, the last couple of years, the last couple of years to see that dude be in a rotation, get yanked out of the rotation, knowing Billy Donovan's coaching style where the only people that's really going to get that scrutiny is the young dudes. And he got through it, didn't fold up. And sometimes folding up is a part of the game, right? Sometimes you got to know your bottom so you can reach whatever that middle level is and be like, all right, I don't want to be broke again. I don't want to be poor again. I'm not talking about financially, but playing time, respect on your team, understanding how you impact and, and complement a game. Kobe White took it back to the lab, tightened up his handle, not only tightened up his handle, because there's a difference between having a tighter handle and having a functional handle. 
Kobe White is getting where he wants to on the court without still being the greatest ball patter of the world, right? You know, he, he's not going to sit out there and, and trick you to death, but he gets where he has to get. His crossover has improved. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare him to do it too much, right? But it used to just be straight line drive Kobe and catch and shoot Kobe. Kobe White had a complete game, and I dare say he had the best game of his Bulls career. Yeah, I know he scored more points in certain instances. I know that he's hit more threes in a game. But this man is standing in the way of Joel Embiid and LeBron James in the same week taking charges. This man is setting up the best players on this team to, to, to not only thrive, but to eat. To eat. Zach Levine couldn't wait to give up that ball off the rim. There was one moment in the third quarter, where I haven't seen this all year long, and I've been begging for it. The empowerment of the young guard on this team, whether it be Io DeSumo, whether it be Kobe White, hell, Alex Caruso, somebody else bring up the ball so the most explosive offensive weapons on the goddamn court don't have all the eyes on them, right? I mean, for years with Mike Brown in Cleveland, you'd be like, all right, well, you know where LeBron's going to be on the ball, but he's going to be on the ball in a certain area. You know that the best players, scoring-wise, going to try to get to their spot. So they're not thinking about, okay, I, I hand the ball off here. Next thing you know, I get an angle, there's a back cut. There was a play where LeBron James screwed up the coverage. Troy Brown Jr. doesn't have the backside baseline coverage. Next thing you know, Zach Levine darts on the baseline, gets himself a dunk. You know why? Because Kobe White and Patrick Beverly saw it. The empowerment of these young guards on this team, God damn it! if you're going to be in the playing tournament, what am I getting on the other side of this season? If you're in the playing tournament, I'm not thinking of you as a championship contender, and rightfully so. So what am I getting on the other side? This season, this, the end of this season is the start of next season to me. And that being said, Zach Levine doing all that wasn't, wasn't no mistake. It wasn't no mistake. I'm going to tell you now, LeBron James playing against the Bulls tonight was no mistake. That man was supposed to test it out a little bit. Please believe when Rich Paul pulls up to the court and you know another one of his clients is on the floor, that shit means something. It meant something to Zach. And, and I love seeing him answer, the, answer the, the damn bell. It's not like he hasn't answered it before, but answer it on a big stage. Answer it when your man is hurting. Answer it when you got a bunch of young kids that you're running around with. Like, that was one of those wins where I'm like, this shit should have been happening all year long. This team, no way in hell, this team should be battling in the ninth, 10th play-in spot. That's why, you know, I, I do my gig on the pre- and post-game show. I set it up, you know, set, throw the lobs up at the rim for my guys. But, man, let me tell you something right now. This entire season, I've watched this thing like a disappointed parent. And I'm not trying to infantilize these dudes. These are grown men, millionaires, like they with families, respectable cats. That's the other thing, too. They so goddamn nice. You can't even really hate on these motherfuckers. Like ain't nobody doing no goofy shit off the court, right? Like nobody's getting into trouble. These dudes are, you see these dudes out with their ladies and their kids. Like these are great guys. But at the same time, my expectations of what is supposed to happen on that court haven't been met. And I know theirs haven't been met. So screw me. I'm talking about them as the athletes. So to see them perform the way they performed this evening, yeah, man, that should have been happening all season long. No way in hell the Bulls should be any lower than the fifth or sixth team in the Eastern Conference. I don't give a damn what anybody says. As talented as they are, and by the way, shout out to Vooch for getting his once-a-week tech where it's like, Vooch got a very short fuse. And you're starting to see, like, hmm, you know, I wonder what happened in Minnesota. The dynamic of Vooch taking, like, me and Vooch are Kendrick spirits where we're like, hey, 
I'm going to take almost everything, but I ain't going to take everything. <laughs> and Vooch and wasn't taking it from Sean. And then, of course, he got the T. And then, you know, he, he did the – he I, uh, maybe, and this is from Casey Johnson's Twitter feed, like Vooch likes to curse in Serbian or whatever, but – you know, he did the thing that we all do. I don't care if it's English, Serbian, Spanish, or whatever the case may be. When you jut out your neck like that and an op, when you, when you go like that, all I heard in my head was bitch ass nigga. That's, that's what I heard. And I'm not, I'm sure that's not what Booch said. But, but, but when Booch jutted out his head like that, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what that smoke is, whether it's in split Croatia, Serbia, you know what I'm saying? The Czech Republic, you know, any Eastern Bloc, you know, territory, the West side of Chicago, South side, don't matter. Glenn, Glenn, uh, was it, uh, Glendale, Arizona, don't matter. Anywhere in the country, you know exactly what's happening when that, when that face jut out like that. So Vooch got thrown out, well, a quarter and a half into the game. DeMar DeRozan over there dragging that leg. <laughs> Zach is going crazy in front of Rich Paul. Patrick Beverly is out of here calling LeBron James too small. By the way, by the way, you might want to do that on the last game of the season versus the Lakers because there's nothing that that man wants to do more than come to your crib, the place that Michael Jordan built, and place his, uh, his, uh, his jewels right there on the coffee table for everybody to take a, gl- a gander at. And uh, if LeBron James is anywhere close to healthy, you can expect 37, 12, and 8 on Wednesday. So... Dallas. Uh, he smiled. He smiled on the way back. Like, hey, yeah, I'm doing this, just you know. But, but, but you know, uh, just you can, playing. You can, right? you can smile all you want. You can, and and he's got motherfuckers that rode his coattails to championships, talking shit about him on the like. There's been a lot brewing. Like, I made some calls <laughs> to some people about what's happening over there. Like that man. If they get into the playoffs, and I'm gonna say this now. Y'all going to have to staple some shit to his resume because they going to beat the Nuggets. I'm going to tell y'all now, and y'all can laugh at me. Y'all can talk crazy about me all you want. All I have to say to you is this. Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, one of them has to guard Anthony Davis. Who's the other one going to guard? I dare you to put Aaron Gordon on Anthony Davis. Because Nikola Jokic <laughs> will have wished <laughs> that his MVP season was 90 games long instead of 82. Because the seven that he is going to see against that team, I know, I know. Give me your, your advanced metrics and all the other shit you want. <clears throat> let, let LeBron James see Nikola Jokic downhill 25 possessions in a game and, and see what we're talking about at the end. I'm just saying, you know. And if it don't happen, then... Uh, I'll erase this pod and act like I never said shit. So there it is, man. A fun, fun day uh, in L.A. for the Bulls. Now they get a chance to play those Clippers. And I saw Kawhi Leonard go out. Uh, he left the game the other day. Uh, got hit in the face. So we'll see. And, of course, PG is out for a while. Things seem to be shaping up for the Bulls. The old Bulls. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. 
Visit Honda.com slash Prologue to learn more. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a dude who I not only trust, but I enjoy talking sports with. Lawrence, so always good to see you. Always good to talk to you, my man. What's new in your world, baby? Jay, I was thinking about you because, first of all, can I, you, know, you know how I love this podcast. The Full Go podcast is a, is a oh, must-listen. Uh, you say that to all the boys. No, I do not. <laughs> I, I know you I, don't. I, I know you don't. I know you, um, I know you don't. <laughs> the, the Chris Rock episode was amazing. Like, it was, I was walking in the streets of Arizona, chuckling my ass off at your <laughs> accounting of, of his special. Cause uh, I was like, man, man, Jay and I are on the exact same page when it comes to this. I was just sitting there like, Oh, it's not his best work. And he not- wanted so badly to get to the mic drop moment that I think that it messed up his, and I know that he's been doing the act all over the country and wearing yeah. his outfit and all that nonsense. And he wanted it so bad. There's a different amount of adrenaline him. there. <laughs> yes. You could feel him rushing through the entire set. You know, like I, there's a part of me that's like, damn, I, I want to direct that. Like mm. I, I would have wanted to ear. talk to him and be <laughs> like, yo, Calm let's down. do this and let's do some other things. But it, it was so good. But I thought about you uh, during the Grammys. Uh-oh. And I'm glad that you brought up Rich Paul because it felt like they was trying to play Rich Paul at the Grammys. And he wasn't there for it. And, and I was with him because that sucker shit. To to do the whole hey here, here meet meet your biggest fan like my 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 man is right here so right. like Adele can't win and Rich Paul is sitting there like you know fuck you didn't bring you like, bring the Rock over here like that's not great <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what is that like that is I'm like yeah. that is really messed up that they yeah. did that to every, and then like later on it was Busta Rhymes and I'm like what what did Rich Paul do to somebody because they clearly, everyone clearly thinks they got a shot. You know and what it is? He don't. What? He, he's, he does, well, I don't try to personalize this too much, but here it goes, nothing. Uh, he does the shit that I do. <laughs> I don't go to a lot of industry things. So mm-hmm. when you're out and about in these industry settings, you know, people have already built up these weird old fake ass relationships. Next thing you know, you standing there with your lady like, hey, where the bathroom at? Because uh, this shit is boring. I'm ready to go home. This finger foods are trash. Like the champagne is flat. Like this is peasant shit in here. And I'm just supposed to walk around like I'm the anonymous five foot eight black man. I run half the fucking NBA right now. <laughs> right. I was, I was sitting there going, you know, it's one of those things, too, you know, I'm I'm five nine. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, if 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 he was six two, yeah, it's little it's little dude shit. Is 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 people and it's the thing. I listen. I don't fuck with short guys. I don't at all. All of them got a story, and all of them had to make it to this day. You feel me? Like you know, it, it, Bo and uh and others always make you know make the joke about a short athlete and how you don't want to fuck with a short athlete because you know they've been short all their life or whatever. Yeah, yeah. even even worse these days, a short black man. Like, uh, you know, you know, like there's some shit that, that, that what, what the world would consider or the society would consider a short black. Cause I've had, you know, I've had uncles and from shortest to tallest is how I measure the toughness, to be honest with you. Cause the short one don't want, you don't want no smoke with him. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> I, so, but I, I felt like I was watching it all happen and I should have just texted you because I felt like I was the only one seeing it. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was basically like, are y'all seeing? And there's no one in the room. Suck are y'all shit. seeing this? This, yeah. is, this is messed up. They would have they never, ever done that the other way around. Like, mm. you, you're not going to bring Halle Berry. Oh, okay. Over. You know what okay. I'm saying? Okay. Like, you're not going to bring Halle Berry over to some dude and be like, Halle Berry's your biggest fan in front of yeah. his lady? Yeah. Man. You're causing problems. You're causing causing problems. all sorts of problems. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. So have anyway, like. Have, have Rich Paul in church the next day. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I, I just, yeah. I, I thought, because you're the only one that I felt like could have really <laughs> understood that we were seeing the same thing. Like, this is messed up, right? Like, yeah. it's messed up. They did this to Rich Paul. Yeah, don't and worry. Of course, it's The Rock. While, while wow. he out here destroying DC, you know. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you what happened. Oh, my God. The perfect person to talk to this about. Listen, Jay told me the other day, like, yo, Shazam 2, something Gods of Fury or something. And then I asked him, looked him in the face, hey, have you seen Shazam 1? He's like, yeah, saw it with mommy. Shazam 2. I'm like, saw it with mommy? Bang. Daddy in the house. You feel me? Go pick him up from school. You know, told him I got a surprise for you. Walk into the theater right over here in the Roosevelt Collection. You know, pull up to the spot. Get the tickets. Bang. What? What you want, baby? Concessions? Let's run that. Shazam uh, collector's item popcorn tin? Say less. You get that too. We walk up to the spot. You get a, like a little blue icy or whatever. He ready to roll. I'm ready to roll. Got the pepperoni pizza popping off. We jump in there mad early. So we got like 20 minutes of, uh, of previews to watch. I'm sitting there like, hey, man, you excited? How excited are you? Da, da, da. We going back and forth. And then the movie starts. And about five minutes in, my man looked at me and was like, Hey, daddy, this is a little scary. And if you know my son, my son lets you know, like, uh, I'm not going to be able to fuck with this in a couple of minutes. So I'm just letting you know. I'm, lay, I'm, I'm putting the warning out here now. This is the same kid who the first time we went to the movies together, this man sat through the previews and was like, all right, I'm ready to go. How about you? I'm like, that ain't the goddamn movie. But I was like, let's go. We can roll. As soon as he said, I'm like, oh, yeah, we out of here, baby. We got your popcorn and everything else. This man told me he saw Black Adam and didn't see Shazam 1. And I'm like, wait a minute, you saw Black Adam? Oh, now, no. yeah, 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 yeah. No. So he was expecting to see Rock. He was expecting it to be kind of, you know, no. cartoonish, a little silly or whatever the case may be. Well, let me you know, let me tell you why your child is brilliant, Jay. Mm-hmm. Damn right. He should have been expecting to see Rock because Black Adam is Shazam's nemesis. Oh! Okay. So... So he should have been expecting to see him. But here's the thing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The Rock decided that he didn't want to have anything to do with Shazam because reportedly he wanted to center the DC universe around him and Superman. And while those two do have a clash and they're on equal footing from a power standpoint because Shazam's power comes from magic and that's one of the things that Superman can't mess with, Okay, but he refused. And not only did he refuse his own cameo inside of the Shazam universe, which doesn't make any sense 
because their powers come from the exact same place. They have basically the exact same uniform. Okay. He refused that any of the people in the Black Adam movie who would also be in the Shazam universe, like Hawkman and, and, and Dr. Fate, they couldn't be in the movie. So it almost was like he destined Shazam 2, which I haven't seen it yet. By all accounts, it's good. Yeah, no, I, at the first 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, shit, I should have saw the first one. I was, I was amped. <laughs> and then I look over and see my little guy trembling. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm being a bad dad. Let's get up out of here. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I think he would have actually really enjoyed the first Shazam movie because the main character is actually a child. Like he got That's so, what the beginning was about. Okay. I got yeah, you. Yeah. He, w- he would have enjoyed that part. So DC is, is getting ready to retcon everything. They're getting ready. They've shut it down basically. And they're going to reboot it. But the problem is the vehicle that they're going to use to reboot it is this flash movie. And Ezra Miller, that person is, um, uh, I don't I'll know. Like, I, hit me to it because I saw the flash. I saw the flash preview at the uh, at the at the theater, and I was like, "Oh shit, this looked kind of crazy." Like, yes. And then they very, got, and then Michael Keaton's talking about I'm Batman. I'm like, "Wait a minute, what's happening?" Jason, know why I was sitting there like a child, like, "Oh, look at this original Batman." So HBO, I I think DC has not done a great job with their movies, but. Oh, you talking Jesse? You talking Jesse's language right now, boy? <laughs> but, oh, I'm, but, I'm locked in. I'm completely yeah. locked in right now. But their animated movies are amazing, and okay. the one that it looks like this the Flash movie is based on. If you go on the HBO Max, there's a whole library of these, and I highly recommend this for you, Jay. I know you're not crazy into the superhero stuff. I, no, I, think, I, I, I well, I've seen all the movies. Like I, I think I used I to think, be in it as, as a kid, more as a kid. But I've caught, I've tried to stay keep up. But you know, you and Van and and Jesse, like y'all, y'all got me beat by light years. Well, this this very much looks like the Flash Paradox movie. Okay, and it it is one of the best graphic novels and one of the best animated movies that DC has ever done. Okay, and it's gonna allow them to be like, oh, okay, well now. There's a whole new universe. They're mm. going to be able to just do all this stuff. And then a James Gunn is going to come in and kind of try and jumpstart all of that stuff. But the problem is that the star of the movie is super problematic. As, that's, Ezra, that's the Ezra Miller character? Yes. Okay. You, you got... I would I'm going to look him up after the show, see, see what he's been up to. Yeah. Ezra <laughs> is... Um, he's a wild Ezra, boy. Ezra is so messed up that it looked like they weren't going to put this movie out. Oh. Yes. And and I believe I believe he's non-binary. I'm sorry. Uh, I believe they are non-binary. Okay. And, My bad. And Ezra okay. Ezra has been charged with multiple assaults. There seems to be a pattern of he gets drunk and 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 then there are issues with him and women. There have been all sorts of them oh. and women. There's been all sorts of stuff, but it okay. was like basically people were concerned that he was going to sink the entire DC empire because of the relaunch, but right because of how important this thing is, and and uh, there are people Sheesh. inside the comic book like universe 
that were like, I ain't going to support no Ezra Miller movie and blah, blah, blah. And then they dropped the trailer and people were like, so I think I'm going to go for an Ezra <laughs> right, Miller right, right. movie. You, know, you got to give people this. a second chance, you know? Uh, it's reportedly <laughs> like a, an amazing movie. The trailer, I sat there watching the trailer for like two and a half minutes. And I was like, hey, man, get me there. Like, yeah. I didn't know the backstory of all this. Okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff that they do. And it's it's alternate realities and it's going to allow them to do stuff. And you get to see it. I, I, I would say it's a little scary, but I think you and you and Jay should sit down and watch. Oh, this no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not taking Jace to another movie for about a good. No, no, no. You can months. watch it at home. I'm saying it. Watch the animated version, the Flashpoint Paradox. No, no, no. What you what you don't understand is I spent sixty eight goddamn dollars just to sit oh, down. Oh, the okay? icon He's is not, definitely yeah, spot. I'm not. I'm not playing these games with him no more. This is my man, fifty grand. But you will have to get your shit on VHS on demand. <laughs> We're gonna have to be in the crib. Ain't no gas gonna be burned. Like shit is tough out here. We don't know how this recession gonna hit. I'm not about to go broke or crazy messing with you for five minutes of a movie. And then when I get home. You know, the good doctor over here is like, sometimes you got to have him sit through things so that he understands that it's not scary. And I'm like, yeah, but what you don't understand is the uh, the, the situation right now that I'm yeah. in. And I want to make sure that he reports nothing back to, to, to his mother when Correct. it comes to, yeah, daddy made me sit through a scary-ass movie. Right. <laughs> no, and, no, no. and it wasn't, it it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. Right. So I'll, I understand. I understand young Jace being like, we can yeah. bounce because this yeah. is not the movie that I thought we were going going to go see. <laughs> hey, he looked at me like I took him into forty eight hours or some shit. I'm like, hey man, you you wanted to see this, but right. I digress. Uh, from one pro- problematic figure to um another problematic figure, but on a way different scale, way different level, way different industry. Man, Lawrence Holmes, y'all better hope that when that eighth pick come around. That man ain't on that board because the, for the first time in I don't know how long or how long I can remember, I am all in on drafting the problematic dude. Now, Jalen Carter? Yeah, Jalen Carter and the Bears situation. And if you notice, ladies and gentlemen, it's all a rollout. It's all a play. The Chicago Bears' own website, own Instagram feed, I should say, threw out a whole bunch of draft prospects that you can just scroll through. And, and I was scrolling. And scrolling, go like, to the next page. It? Paris Johnson, and he and he's in there. And if that wasn't the case, if they didn't take their thirty minutes to go ahead and sit down with him, if they haven't, because from the calls that I've made down to Atlanta and the, by way of Athens, if they haven't sent everybody and they mama down there and haven't had people down there turning over every rock and every stone and under every you know leaf and twig trying to figure out what this young man is, I'm going to let y'all know this right now. I am not a betting... Well, I am a betting man. Shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook. Shout out to FanDuel indeed. Yeah, you can get my same game parlay uh, at the beginning of this pod, and hopefully you fade it. But I think they're going to take this dude if he's there, and I think Ryan Poles is hoping that he ain't there. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. There's There's so much to unpack, Jay, with this. And you're right. You know, I, I I heard that Bears people got on like a 5 a.m. flight to make sure that they were down in Athens to watch everything transpire. I've also talked with people that have were in the room and 
they said that they have never seen pro days go as poorly mm-hmm. as what's going on with, with, with Jalen Carter. So there's a part of me that's really concerned about, before we talk about the athlete, I'm concerned a little bit about the person. I'm also concerned about some of the advice that he might be getting. I'm not here to tell you whether or not he was involved in a crime, okay? Right. The legal system in Georgia at least feels confident enough that they were able to strike a plea deal, a no-lo contendere from him, and he has to do 80 hours of community service, pay a fine, all that good stuff, and be on probation for the next five years. What I've been thinking about a lot is a couple things. One, what's the impact of him maybe witnessing that accident? Doug, Lawrence Holmes, I'm so glad you just said that, brother, because I don't know if we have already installed or in the process of installing what um, personal tragedy and trauma does to 20-year-olds with that amount of stress. I think we're seeing like the John Morant stuff and some other things. And of course, we've talked about it. But we're so used to being like, ah, this young kid's throwing his life away that I'm so glad that that's the first thing you said. And it doesn't doesn't dismiss him from any responsibility or anything like that. But man, seeing two people Two people that you know, two people that you were clearly friendly with, Yeah, you see them die. And maybe you're so scared in the moment that you don't process it. And you you go on and you go on and you go on and you you push it down and push it down. And then when it becomes real, and, and not only do you have to process it, you have to process it publicly. And not only do you have to process it publicly, you also have to defend your own actions. And perform as as a part of <laughs> those people dying. Yeah. Like you've got to defend that. You've got to leave the biggest job interview that you ever had. You got to leave it to go answer questions about this. So I, I'm very curious what type of support system Jalen Carter has and whether or not he's getting good advice. I think that if you had I don't know who his agent is. I'm not trying to throw shade like, like you know, the, there should be a better agent. All I'm saying is that you have to know a couple days before the Georgia Pro Day that your client's not in great shape because All you that. probably should have gotten that person a trainer to get them ready for the Pro Day. And if you know that your client, who's probably weighing in every day, is a little heavy going into this, you know what? Jalen's got a little bit of a hamstring. We're going to set up his own individual pro day in a couple of weeks. Private workout. Let, let's do that instead of do this and, and have what was a very embarrassing moment. As it pertains to the Bears, I've been wondering aloud on the score if there's a difference between picking him one or picking him four or picking him nine? Like, what are the differences from a public relations standpoint for the Bears? If the Bears had said, screw this, we're just going to make a pick instead of trading the pick, and they pick Jalen Carter, after everything that we found out, and I'm sure more things left to go, does the public go, ugh, See, because what I feel like, and I don't know if this is the way that this has been with folks who have hit you up 
unless it's a full go. I feel like if you do it at nine, people will rejoice. Not only will, will they, they give polls the benefit of the doubt, they'll be like, man, that's a shark move right there where you got the best player in the draft with the ninth pick. And you also didn't have to trade your actual quarterback and you got all this other stuff in that other trade that you did. I, I got to tell you, though, I am concerned about what some of the stuff I saw on tape with Carter. There's no doubt in my mind that he has got game-wrecking possibilities. It bothers me. It's, it's both a good thing and a bad thing. The way he played in the semifinal against Ohio State, and then admitting, you know what? I wasn't in great shape. That seems to be a refrain. Yeah, I'm number like, 58 Ugh. kicked his ass all game. Right. And then he said, I, I recognize that leading into the national championship game, we saw a better version of him. Not that it would have mattered. Right. They, they honestly, at that point, could have put any of the four of us out there at three technique, and they was going to beat them boys by seven touchdowns. Like, mm-hmm. it was just going to be that type of day. I, I think that he, he has some stuff, and I know that I'm biased because I covered this dude. He's got some of that Tommy Harris stuff. And at that position, if, if you, it's the first step, it's, it's the disengagement of the blocker and the first step after that that reminds me a lot of Tommy, where at 310. Right, right. <laughs> Tommy was doing that shit at what, 285? Yeah, he, 290? He, I, 290 about. And, and he was like, Tommy was lean. It was very, yeah. weird. one of those lean, you know, 300 pound dudes. And you'd see him just move the blocker aside and then one step and on the quarterback. And if you, that's what you have to have. The one thing that the Bears didn't do in the first two rounds of free agency, they didn't really get people that make a difference on the defensive line. So there's a couple of guys at the top of the draft that I think can do that. I also think that it wouldn't be crazy for Ryan Poles to take his three second-round picks and maybe turn it into one high second-round pick mm-hmm. and end up getting a player that he wants. But it's it, it will be very interesting to see. I hope that the Bears have the infrastructure. And if you remember, because we're the only two dudes that care about this, <laughs> with the Lamar Campbell firing, Man. One of the things that Ryan Poles brought up is that the person that they brought in-house has more of a background when it comes to the, the mental side of the game. So if the Bears have a better infrastructure to bring in someone who's clearly going through some sort of trauma, I could 100% see them doing it. Yeah. I think this is how I'm glad you mentioned that part because I think this is how they insulate themselves as well. You know, these are now uh, your Chicago Black Bears and Kevin Warren uh, poses a tremendous figure, uh, not only across the NFL, but across sports. And if a 22 year old can't take some uncle advice or fatherly advice from that dude, the franchise face is a young 22-year-old brother in Justin Fields. Your general manager is a brother. And I know for all the people, you know, this is the part of the pod where you get upset and I don't give a shit. 
Your assistant general manager. Your also? assistant, Ian Cunningham, your assistant general manager. Um, Tremaine Edmonds has been a team captain since he was 12 years old. You know, like there are certain, you brought that guy in, you bring in TJ Edwards, who people rave about in that Philadelphia uh, Eagles locker room. All I know is, man, the number one pick in the draft for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the number, what, six or seven pick in the draft in that same year, and Jordan Davis uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. They drafted N'Kobe Dean as well to stash him for a moment when they could finally play him. All of those guys apparently were not as good as this dude. That's all I know. And people have been waiting to get their hands on this cat. And I'll be goddamned as a Bears fan watching, because at the time, you know, shout out to the NFC Central, I remember Warren Sapp falling down draft boards because he smoked a little weed. Hell, I'm old enough to remember what they were saying about Dan Marino his first couple of years as a kid because of what you know, allegedly came up on a test, right? And also some other things that he was interacting on that University of Pittsburgh campus, right? Like Randy Moss, man, the man was at Notre Dame and Florida State. Had to go to Marshall, right? Had to put I, on a Seuss socks. Y'all exactly. still drafted him low. Had to catch passes from Chad Pennington, right? Shout out to Chad Pennington. You know, yeah, for all my Jets fans. Career. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I've seen the Bears draft players that I knew couldn't play. Knew couldn't play. Shout out to Shane McClellan and all these dudes out here who found their way throughout the league. Chicken Dinner Road is the street that he lived on. There you go. See, I even know that. Fun fact from my man Lawrence Holmes right there. Another thing that you can throw in your basket when you make your fun of Shane McClellan at a house party near you. Oh, Jay, did I ever tell you about his jersey numbers. Do you remember the jersey numbers that Shane McClellan had? He wasn't he in the he wasn't in the nineties, right? Yes, his he first was. number his first number was fifty. It was, it was, yeah. And yeah, his yeah. second number was ninety nine. Yeah, so he took Mike Singletary and Dan Hampton's number and just. I was him. I was sitting next to Dan Hampton every week. We were doing Sports Sunday on on Channel Five. And uh, animal, <laughs> not happy at all. Shouldn't have been. You shouldn't have been. I don't give a shit if we retired too many numbers. Don't wear that one. That's it. Can you imagine a backup running back running around with Walter Payton's number on? Right. Like, there's an argument that Dan Hampton is the second greatest bear. Dude. There, you can make that argument. And he was out there watching Shane McClellan wear his jersey every week getting ragged off. Listen, I was in the scores conference room doing, getting ready to do the draft show, the Shane McClellan draft. And it was me and Matt Bowen in there. And I'm like, oh, Melvin Ingram, he's right there. Let's, uh, come on, Melvin Ingram about to be a bear. And Matt, you know, in his football wisdom was like, I don't know, Jason, if he fits the system, this, that, and the other. I'm like, fuck that. His talent. <laughs> he can get to the quarterback. <laughs> And they drafted Shea McClellan and talked to me. The moment they started talking to me about his versatility, I'm like, oh, shit, we didn't draft a bum. We didn't, we didn't draft somebody that I don't need to worry about. I'm sure Matt started looking at his notes like, okay, <laughs> Shea McClellan. <laughs> Let's... Yeah, watch a lot of Boise State football, did you? Yeah. But, but yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, I've seen so many, like, as a Bears fan, I've seen the guy get drafted right before the Bears pick and be like, I know that dude. <laughs> Who are the Bears about to unearth for me that I've never watched play football before? So 
if if Jalen Carter is on the board and Tyree Wilson or somebody else is right there and they say no, then y'all better hope that John Randall ain't playing for some other team or y'all better hope that War- you didn't miss out on Warren Sapp or Randy Moss or Dan Marino. Like, I, I don't I think, I don't think he gets past the Lions, Jay. I think, I think the, the man Campbell is uh is all ready to be like we're gonna we're gonna hug this guy we're gonna Damn. coach him up we're gonna get him the help we need so they're gonna have the best offensive lineman and the best defensive lineman in the comp in, in the division and we're gonna pair him with that monster on the edge so good luck trying to figure out which one of them boys you're gonna stop <laughs> uh, it's not gonna be easy let's do this right here right now because your man, Tony Gill, who like has been commissioned to hate on me and my thoughts here on this pod. Uh, tell me why the Bears ain't going to be the second best team in this division coming up this year. Well, I'm still, I, I still would like to know exactly what the Vikings are going to do. And if that's the, if that's the thing that is holding me back, they got dinosaurs on defense. And at some point, Kirk Cousins is, at some point, we're going to have to be like, all right, he can't play anymore, right? That playoff game, I mean, the Justin (laughs) Jefferson absence, like I said, we got the good KOC here at the ringer, and they got the not-so-good KOC as a coach in Minnesota. Like, that's the only thing, right? The fact that Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook are in the division because I'm not scared of that defense, and I damn sure ain't scared of that quarterback. Right. And, and if Justin Fields makes the steps that we hope he makes, he's got a receiver now. They're yeah. trying to put things together. They got to get to this salary floor. So you know it's going to be a whole bunch of, you know, salty veterans on that defense. Like, they're going to they gonna find some, some, you know, scrap heap dudes, some cap casualty dudes. This division is – and by the way, I'm not saying that the Bears are good, but I can definitely see second place in this division being 7-10. and 10. Well, the other part of it, though, and it's quieted down over the last couple of days. Let's make sure that 12 is actually gone. (laughs) Like, you know, we keep doing this thing. We've done it for the last four years. I remember two years ago on two years ago, almost to the day, Jay, we're talking at, at the draft at the draft. And it was like the best day that the Bears had ever had because. There it was. Ryan Pace had traded down. And and you look up, and he's like, he traded up. And he's going to go get a quarterback. And he went and got Justin Fields. And people were like, what? We got the second-best quarterback in this draft and pick number 11? Meanwhile, up in Green Bay, they MFing each other all over the place. It looked like Aaron Rodgers was gone. They had had – he sabotaged their draft that year. Yeah, he did. They and did. Bears fans are like, this is the greatest weekend of our lives. And then what happened? Dude went back there. They fixed it. They mended fences enough. Ain't, ain't no fixing this, Lawrence. You I, know I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's just if but, the deal can be done for what right? Green Bay wants. I got you. I right. Got you. And, and, and they, they deserve to be like, nah, we're going to wait. Because you're going to give us what we want on this. And and the leverage hasn't flipped yet where the Jets could be like, I mean, you can play that game if you want, but if we don't take him, y'all going to owe that man $60 million 60. and you yeah. hate him. 
Yeah. And, and you don't want him walking back through that door. So let's get 12 up out of here. <laughs> let also, let's also make sure that Jordan Love ain't another 12. Because mm. that's the fear that's in other people's, that in the back of Bears fans' minds too. Not like, mine. Not, not in mine. I know that nobody but the practice people have seen him. But usually after year two, the rumbling start. Hey, you know they get this motherfucker bad as hell over here, right? I have not heard one person that I trust. And there's a couple of people who I know are piped in. Shout out to my man, James Jones. Man, hey, 12 going to be 12 until 12 is no longer playing. But what they got with Jordan Love, I, I think that we can lean to mid at being the ceiling right now. I, I think that you're right. I just wouldn't... I, I <laughs> you need, want to be sure. <laughs> I, I need the stake driven through the vampire's heart <laughs> before we, we do the hammer dance. That's all you. I'm saying. I got you. I and got then you. We, can, we can move on. But that thing that they're building in Detroit... Yeah. Now they got something. If I were Detroit, I'd take Jalen Carter. Mm. And I'd be like, I double dog dare you to to run a pass happy offense with me and Hutchinson. I, if, oh. I'm De- if I'm Detroit, and I know he probably won't last this long now because of, you know, hell, he might be the first overall pick because I still don't think Carolina did all that just to go up there and get somebody that I think going to be all right. But in a crazy world, if I'm Detroit and that man from Florida is there, and Anthony, Anthony Richardson, I'm looking at Jared Goff and be like, your Alex Smith clock starts now. Right now. You got one year <laughs> to help get this young man ready to roll. And and hopefully you can win a Super Bowl. But uh Is there need- any is there any NFL player who has more right to be racist than Alex Smith? I'm not saying he is. Uh, he might no, be a he, fine young man. But he seemed, think he about he what happened in his career. The opposite of that. Like no. he's seemingly like, yeah, you know, like. I'm I'm here and I'm here to help any young quarterback. But you're right. Nah. He, he was he was right there and Colin Kaepernick showed up and he was right there and then Patrick Mahomes showed up and then he got hurt real real bad. No 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 no. Before you even get to the hurt hurt, Dwayne Haskins oh, got rested right. dead. I forgot about yeah. This Alex Dwayne Smith Haskins. has been tracked down like terminated two three different times. <laughs> By these mobile, big-armed Negroes running around the NFL, okay? So the way that Robert Patrick did run in the Terminator <laughs> 2 movie, man, he was just grinding. Mm-hmm. Just, you knew he... he the, you know what I love Elbows about in. The look on his face. Yeah, yeah. Because you were like, damn, this dude really is a robot. going to catch you. <laughs> he's going to catch you. He's just... He was going to catch him. So, yeah, yeah. They, they were tracking young Alex down. <laughs> oh, man, you're right, Jay. He, I'm just saying, I'm, hey, listen. He has a right. Listen, he, if, you see, if you see Alex Smith jerseys popping up at these rallies this election cycle, you already know what a statement is being made. <laughs> Give him his life back, you ornery, aggressive, progressive, and mobile athletes. <laughs> That man had to look Colin yeah, Kaepernick in the face. <laughs> had to do it with Patty Mahomes. Solid career, man. Yeah. Like, no, no. Hey, man. First pick, you know. Remember, hey, the only draft where a school had the first pick in both basketball and football, right? Andrew yep. Bogan and Alex Smith, number one overall. That's wild. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. What do you want to say, Tony? Oh, shit. I done messed up. Here we go. Uh, 
Tony. No, Cannon. no, I was, just, I was just saying uh, <laughs> Alex Smith is Jesse Pinkman. He's like, they can't keep getting away with that. <laughs> That's a good comp, Tony. Like, you're right, man. They can't keep getting away with this. Someone's teaching them not to check down or take off after the first read. God damn it. Who made this league this way? (laughs) Alex Smith is yearning for the the days of sitting the brother on the bench four years. (laughs) Back in... Have you ever? Because I'm a okay. I'm a big fan of this person's analysis, oh, but not of the person. Who's that? Urban Meyer. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever seen Urban talk about the spread offense and how they in started to incorporate pass into it? No. And how it happened? No. He said that they were in a practice and they called a play, and Alex Smith was working with one of the tight ends and the play got broken and Smith threw the ball to the tight end. Like it's supposed to be a read. Yeah. And and he's like, what? And he just flipped the ball over because he realized that the guy was open. And Urban was like, hold on. What just <laughs> happened? Do that did again. I just change football? <laughs> he, and he did. And he did. And, and that ended up getting Alex Smith. Number one pick in the draft, man. Yeah. Urban's Urban's so good at analysis, but I hate. I'm like looking at him, like man, this dude is a savant. Like mm-hmm. he, you, you, if you watch Urban Meyer, like actual none of the none of the bullshit of him. Like I'm gonna turn young men into grown yeah, men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of that yeah. stuff. The Get him actual, on the board. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I'll be like, Amen, Hallelujah. I'll be like, no, yes. No. I of love course. all of this. Yeah, I mean, shit, Bobby Petrino, all them cats. Like, there's a reason why dudes, you know, <laughs> can be scumbags in real life because <laughs> they, they're talented as fuck. And they're they, they going to bring the best out of you and your middling program before they bounce and go get a bunch of convicts to go down to Gainesville and win championships. What are we it's talking the, about here? It is Shout out to college bad. football. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Hey guys, this is Ozzy Guille, and you are listening to the full go with Jason Goff on the Ringer in a Spotify. We are uh, a few days away from opening day here, and um, I gotta tell you, man, 
I thought by this time the bad taste of the White Sox season would be out of my mouth. But this spring training has felt kind of clunky, kind of awkward, the Clevenger stuff. And then when I watch the games, they throw into the wrong base still and doing all the goofy shit that I thought would be worked out of their game. Uh, Eloy and this DH thing is hilarious to watch anytime somebody asks him about it because he is not about that life. And he lets you know in WBC, I'm right fielder, fam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you feel right now about the White Sox? And how do you think you're going to feel? I'm working on a column for the Sun-Times this Wednesday where I'm going to talk about... I, last week, I wrote about how boring spring training has been for both teams. This week, I want to kind of go forward and say, okay, what did we learn? What are the things that we can look at and, and look forward to with the White Sox? I think that you do have a lot of residual bad feelings. I was talking to a friend of mine just this morning about the White Sox. And there's the anger is still there for a couple of reasons. It's the Clevenger stuff is just another thing to add to it. Anger about Obreu. Like that, I don't, I think that that, that is an underappreciated aspect of White Sox fandom. Like that guy was an MVP. Like this, this is not some random dude. This is a, a the dude. And like, for, literally. And for stretches, the only thing to watch before right. the, the young players came along. So, so I'm not, I'm, I gotta be careful the way I say this. I like Andrew Vaughn. I don't know if I like Andrew Vaughn as much as the White Sox like Andrew Vaughn and people who are around the White Sox every day are like, oh, you know, he's, you, you hear some of the cops and you're like, are, uh, don't mention Frank Thomas's name. Like, stop. Wait, no, who did that? There have been plenty of people that have talked about he's got potential to be a hitter like Frank Thomas. And I'm like, so he has the potential to be one of the best right-handed hitters of all time. Right. And I'm like, Frank Thomas's first seven years in the major leagues, I will put up against literally anyone in the history of the game. And I don't see that power from Vaughn. He might have the batter's eye. You know, he might be a good, but he's got a, he's got a lot of pressure and he hasn't been fully healthy for all of this. But that, that residual anger that you're feeling is it's the Tony La Russa stuff. It's the Abreu stuff, and it's them underachieving. And then on top of it, you know, the, the Clevenger thing ended up working out in the favor of the White Sox, and they were able to just kind of be like, all right, you know, sure, the, the agent didn't tell us the whole story, and neither did the athlete, but he's not punished, so we're going to keep, keep on doing what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. The hope is that these guys can finally, as a group, play to their potential. I'm a I'm still a Moncada truther. I still look at Yo on and class. I go, there's no way that this guy won't figure it out. He's got too many tools to not figure it out. And then of course you he find out he left yeah. the game with back tightness and yeah. now you're like I I'm so scared that Andrew Vaughn and Yoan Moncada both have been dealing with lower back tightness for the majority of camp or whatever, that by the end of April, both of those dudes are going to be on the IL with some sort of hamstring injury. Because that's what it feels like. That's, that's usually what it is, right? Like, you're not, you're not doing, or you're incapable of stretching out your back the, and your hamstrings the way that you want. I think that they have a pretty good team. 
I just and I I love Pedro Grifol. Yeah. I love I love the shit he's talking. I love that people wanted to talk to him about Oscar Colas, and he was like, "Yeah, but he don't get the cutoff, man." So you know, don't matter. It don't mm-hmm. matter if he's got yeah. all that talent. We need him mm-hmm. to hit the cutoff, man. I like that he's demanding more of the White Sox, and this is all the White Sox fans wanted. They just wanted more. Just come, like it, it, it was like the White Sox like fan base was like, "Come on, guys!" Like, yeah, give me, give me everything you got, and I'll deal with the rest. I'll be happy. I'll be okay if you finish. Second, because you're hurt and you're playing your ass off as opposed to lollygagging your, your way through innings and not hitting the baseball and not throwing to the right cutoff, man, and all the other shit that we saw for the last two years. I'm still mad at them. There were series where you were seeing, and, and Griffold gave voice to it when he was hired, you were seeing other teams be like, oh, these motherfuckers are chump. They're not playing. Yeah. So, so you would see... Baltimore did it to him. Like, I think that that series is the series where you were like, oh, shit. The four they were like, or? That was the June, I want to say. Okay, okay. The series at home in June. And Baltimore was like, watch this. Single to shallow right field is now a double. And then we're going to steal third. Mm-hmm. Every ball in the outfield was caught by them. You know, like they they just they won the series three games to one and they just clowned them. And then the twins were like, wait, we can do that, too. So they started doing it. The Royals, the Royals and Bobby Witt Jr. was out here like, hey, I'm going to be a problem for the next decade for you. And I'm going to hit triples and do all sorts of stuff. They kept throwing Salvador Perez fastballs. And I'm like, what are you doing? Don't do that. They kept throwing Javi Baez fastballs. What are you doing? Look, at Jay, if you want to have some fun, look up Javier Baez's numbers against the White Sox last year. And then look up his numbers at 35th in Shields last year. He became the biggest villain. And he loved every minute of it. And all I could do was laugh because I, I, I still love Javi Baez. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. all I could do is seeing him doing the Hulk Hogan thing, like going around the bases as he's hitting home runs, is just killing the White Sox, was to laugh. So all of that stuff that we said, all of it, LaRusso stuff, Clevenger stuff, Abreu being gone, knowing that they have to prove it. Like You can say whatever you want, but I want to see you guys play hard. And if you play hard, they're, they're, every a lot of things can be forgiven if you just play hard. You talked about the Bulls, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about how the Bulls have a bunch of dudes on their team that are super likable. Yeah. The White Sox are like that too. It's hard to not root for Lucas Giolito or Lance Lynn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's hard to not root for Tim. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard to not root for Eloy or Robert. Like Even Moncada. There's a group of these dudes, and obviously Liam Hendricks, right? Right. You have a group of these dudes that the fan base is all like, we like them. Like, we legitimately like these dudes who are on the team. But something's not right. Now, maybe they fixed it. Maybe now that it seems like the front office and the dugout are on the same page. I hear them speaking the same language. 
I, I, it's clear to me that the baseball ops people are giving information to Pedro Grafol and he is taking it and incorporating it into how he's run his camp. It's clear to me that Pedro Grafol is saying, yo, I don't need this. Right. And the front office is like, we're going to eat the rest of this money on Leori Garcia. Like, we're going to eat it, even though that's not what we ever do. But I don't, if you don't have any room for him, if, if you're Pedro and you're going, I don't, he said it and it was so, like, it was so telling. I'm here because the shit didn't work. <laughs> I'm here, I'm here because we used to see y'all and we saw what you did. And then when he was talking about, he was talking about shorts and someone asked him, like, are you worried? You know, you got to make sure you back up shortstop. He's like, my backup shortstop's playing second base. Right. And right then you were like, oh, well. It's different. Larry, see it's you. Different. Yeah. It's a yeah, different, it's different vibe. And my hope is that whatever that thing was that they were doing at Camelback Ranch is something that they can bring to 35th and Shields. Because quite honestly, White Sox fans deserve better. They deserve better. And the White Sox are going to have to prove it. Like, that's just it. And, and it sucks. And you know how sensitive people over there are about all of this stuff, but they have to prove it. No one's going to believe you. What's the old line? We don't believe you. You need more people. Yeah, man. That's, that should be the White Sox motto in 2023. Yeah. I'm looking forward to whatever this season's going to be because I'll be spending at least 15, 20 of these joints with Ozzy during the pre and post. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this summer. Um, I'm very for, excited about for many that. reasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me and Ozzy. Shooting shit. Should there's be, uh, nothing. Should there's be nothing better than talking baseball with that dude. And you know, he. If you check the fridge in the green room, he's got. I already know. There. I already know the vibes. I already, I already know. <laughs> Trust me. I've I've sat there in some summer days where the, the Bulls were overlapping a Sox game, and next thing you know. Uh, me and Ozzy in the back, uh, chopping it up about the old Venezuelan days. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He's a good. He's a good man. I enjoy him very much with the Cubs. Uh-oh. This Dansby Swanson thing is a little concerning. He had a home run today, but he's been bingo numbers throughout the spring. I, I think when I looked up this morning, he was hitting 081. Yeah. And and you go, the, ooh. The ghost of Jeff Blouser jumping up on people. Yeah. Now, and that was what a lot of people were fearing when they they brought him in. I tend to think he's that a good this, player. this is a guy who's pacing himself and he's working on things and but the defensive addition that he's made, I think that both of the baseball teams are doing something that the rest of the league is going to have to do. And that's, you better have two shortstops now playing next to each other. Because yeah. with the new rules, you better have someone with range. And it's going to be very interesting how Nico Horner's contract negotiation goes. Because before, you're thinking, oh, I'm a high-priced I'm, I'm a mid, mid-level shortstop. And now he gets to be like, well, I'm a high, I'm a top second baseman. And how does the league change the way that it views mm-hmm. being second baseman, knowing that there's added value with where they're going to be positioned and what they're going to be asked to do? So there's a lot, man. Like the, the, the Cubs are all about run prevention, defense, defense, defense. That's their thing. You got to score, though. 
you, you got to score, and they gave away one of their best run producers for practically nothing yeah. uh, in Wilson Contreras because he didn't really fit the model of what they're trying to do. I like a lot of the moves that they made and some of the risks. The, the Bellinger thing, it's a risk, but it really only costs you cash, and it's one year, and if it doesn't go well, it doesn't go well. And if you fix them, you have an MVP-type player playing center field for you. So I don't need him to be what he was back then, but I need him to be better than what he's been the last couple of seasons. I heard you. I forgot who you were. I was driving in Arizona again, listening to you. Was it Maddie Lee that you were talking to? Mm-hmm. About, yeah, like, uh, yeah. About Bellinger. And it's interesting. Like that collection. I tell you, I tell you who I am going to be watching no matter what on the north side. Who's that? Eaton Wesneski. Because that mofo is filthy. He's going to be at the bottom of their rotation. I think he is a, I think he's got middle or top of the rotation stuff. And I'm so glad that they didn't, they didn't putz around with this and make it so that, you know, well, we don't know. He's got to earn it. Come up with the big club and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This, this dude, when he got his opportunity last year, you saw Nintendo stuff and this spring has been no different. So there's a lot to look forward to um, on the baseball front. But it's weird, Jay, because after the WBC, I'm, I loved it so much. Like it, it, it was perfect. I was in AZ when um, USA and Mexico played, and I was in, this, in the streets. Crazy and the, fans, the fans of Team Mexico, they were not messing around. <laughs> like... I saw I saw so much green and red. Oh yeah, everywhere I went because I was the Mexican homies know how to know how to you know send up that flare, baby. Larasa knows how to show out. Hey, (laughs) Larasa was up in the building everywhere. They it wasn't it wasn't like USA L tree like levels, right, right, right. right. But it was it was as close as you can get. That the Vuvuzelas out getting. Man, man, they, they, I saw a bunch of, of fans of Team Mexico basically march into Chase, Chase Field. You they, know. they were ready. They wanted to cheer and they got their opportunity, man. Uh, it, it was just so great. Like, as someone who loves baseball, it really, like, kind of ignited something in me. And then when you go back and you look at spring training, you're like, spring training is kind of boring. Yeah. You know, you want these yeah. spring training games to be over with. And, and let's see if, if I was tipped off, someone said to me back in the winter, said, watch Tim Anderson in the WBC. Watch the version of Tim Anderson that we get. If we get that Tim Anderson, let's call it 130 games, because I think expecting dudes to play 162 is ridiculous. He's if, an MVP candidate. Yep. If yeah. he's that dude for 130 games, he's an MVP candidate. Yeah, there's a lot I mean, of ifs, and that's the yeah, problem for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing how Tim bounces back from everything that went on last year, right? And you know, from from the yep. place that he's from, and having the taste of success, and now having to fall from grace, both physically, mentally, you know, industry, industrial wise. I mean. This this was not a this was not a banner year for him at all. Reputationally. Yeah, man. So this is the year where you, you show and prove. And I know he shows and proves to himself as much as he possibly can, but 
A lot more eyes going to be on Tim Anderson, especially with all the face of baseball stuff and all the other things that got thrown on him because of the Iowa homer and all that. There's a lot of people who were looking at that young man last year like, all right, see how you handle this pressure. And it didn't go well for whatever reasons last year. So Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm you know, you had the Josh Donaldson stuff with that's him. What I'm, like, yeah, that's, yeah, everything, everything. You know, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot there that – and then, you know, like the injuries you have – as much as it seemed like he was, I thought Tim tried the hardest to make the Larusa thing work. Yeah, he seemed like the most like, all right, well, you know, this is what this is, so right. let's let's make it work. He's a positive person, and I think uh, I felt like not the last season, but the the previous season, I felt like Tim Anderson was like Mister Fantastic. He was stretched out. And he was trying to like hold everything together. And I when when everything went bad with your mean after that dude had carried them for six weeks, <laughs> it was Tim that was like, Don't worry about it. We got you. Don't it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Like we and I, I felt like he was trying so hard to hold everything together that when things didn't go the way that they wanted, when they got embarrassed again by the Astros, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say something broke, but I think there was a lack of belief in what it is that they were doing. It feels like Pedro is, has changed the way that they feel about it. I, I hope so, man. I want him to succeed so badly because he seems so earnest and exactly what the White Sox have needed as far as a manager goes. Yep. It's funny to me, because I, I think, honestly, he's similar to Ricky. Mm. Like, this is all the stuff that Ricky was asking them to do. Hit the cutoff, man. Be better at your gig. Like, come out here and work hard. Maybe Pedro says it a little bit more sternly than Ricky does. And Ricky did mess up royally in the playoffs against Oakland and down the stretch after that team. That team, man, that team, that 2020 team, first team to clinch. And ended up in the seventh seed because they just were like, "We made it," and we then did stopped it. playing for two weeks, mm-hmm. and then the season was over. You're like, "What the hell just happened?" He's <laughs> out of the playoffs. A catastrophic fall. That's what happened. Hopefully, that won't happen this year or the years to come. Been waiting for this sustained level of success from the White Sox. Right? We were promised it. We told. We were told it was coming. Where they were doing it the right way. Now it's time to shine because those windows uh, don't stay open very long because of injury, because of discontent, because of contract clocks, because of architects having the last swing of things. Like, you got to ask yourself, too, how many, how many more teams is Rick Khan going to get? So um, they've they got Yeah, they better and, and that you're not doing it in a vacuum. I, I think that's another thing that the White Sox got wrong, Jay. I think that they thought that the division was theirs and they were doing it in the vacuum, and they never, ever thought... The Guardians oh, was like, fuck that. <laughs> hey, I mean, we we play that clip all the time, and it makes my blood boil, and I hope it makes their blood boil, too. Those dudes, celebrate. they didn't just celebrate winning the mm-hmm. Central. They stomped on you. They stay, And they, they laughed. You know what it reminds me of? You know in Purple Rain, where Morris Day and the time... They come off the stage and they just killed it, right? Like they crushed it. And they walk past the revolution. And and he walks back. And Morris Day walks back and goes, How's the family? <laughs> Everyone starts laughing. 
That's what Cleveland did. Cleveland walked back into the White Sox and was like, fuck your manager, fuck your team, anyone that thought y'all were going to win, they can kiss our asses too. And they didn't care who heard. The fire like, Tony chance. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Like, yeah, no, it's that, extreme that is, disrespect. That is a sport where you never see that. And nope. Cleveland was like, we don't care. They they basically said, fuck your couch. And I'm glad they did it too. Me too. I'm glad. But they it did makes it. it makes my blood boil because I felt like I felt like White Sox fans were sitting there like, are y'all gonna take this? Right, right. Right. Are we go? Are we fighting? Like, you are we fighting? Run? Right. Get up, Craig. <laughs> we, we wait for them to ride out. Get up, Elon. Like, they're like, eh, eh, you know, sometimes you get pumped. <laughs> you know, like, eh, eh. you know that. But hey, man, they never, never put a fighter <laughs> against a person who don't want to fight. It's not going to look pretty, and that's yeah. what happened. The, the Sox weren't up for the fight. Man, I appreciate you. I appreciate oh, you, you so much for coming on and hanging out with us, and doing what you do, not only here in the city, but uh, nationally for people who look up to a dude like you in the position that you're in. Uh, you're, you're, you're a good friend. You're uh, a better individual. And I, I damn sure know what you do in this uh, in these content streets. So always know that the full go is a place you can land anytime you want. I appreciate you jumping on as always, my man. Thank you. I mean, this is like, my go-to pod. I love listening to it. I love the people that are involved with it. It's great. And, you know, like, you know, I, I'll send you a text and be like, I can't believe you said that. Yeah, no, I can't either. That's why I don't listen after we record. I, I go, I'm Dave Lawrence, you don't know how many times I didn't, I didn't go on, what, 15, 20 feet to the left here, got in the bed, you know, she'd be like, hey, how's the pod? I'm like, it was cool. And then be sitting there till one in the morning like, oh, fuck. I said some shit, didn't I? I'm like, all right, hope maybe, maybe Jesse and Tony will take care of that. The next day I got 10 text messages like, man, I can't believe you said that shit. I'm like, well, no, what did I say? What did I say? And I don't go back and listen because I don't want to hear. But please believe I know when it goes down because of dudes like you who I respect and trust. Y'all always hit me up with the, with the, I know when I get like three or four laughing emojis before a sentence from Lawrence, I know it's some bullshit that went down the night before and I wasn't keeping, I wasn't keeping track of my mouth. That's all it is. And I I'm, guess that's I'm why all, Simmons came along, you know. I'm always available for this podcast, man. So, <laughs> so thank you very much for the time. It gives me an opportunity. It gives it gives the people what they've always wanted. Man, they, they wanted you. this. So yeah. It, yeah. it gives the people an opportunity to have that. And it's always fun. And the, the pod's going great. Um, and so so thank you, man. I always appreciate it. And don't hesitate. If you if you're like, just hey, every two weeks you want to hit me up. Feel free. Say I ain't got shit. Don't say that. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Lawrence Holmes. Make sure you check out his column in the Chicago Sun Times. Of course, the House of L Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking that out. Great pods on there like his. And of course, Sports Adjacent. And the man runs a podcast empire. He's got you know, he's got homes in Arizona that he's selling dope out of. He, he you know, he, he travels to Vegas anytime there's a fight on the low. The man is an industry giant. And of course, he does middays here uh, with Dan Bernstein over at 670 to score. So check him out uh, when you're not hanging out with us. He is Lawrence Holmes, and he has graced us with his presence here on The Full Go. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jay. It's The Full Go, baby!
And now comes the time that we've not been waiting for, but someone has poached another great talent from this pod. Someone has told this pod that it is, uh, it is no longer allowed to operate the way that it has before. And uh, I want to say this. Tony Gill has been an amazing, an amazing addition to this pod. Um, y'all already know if you've been listening since episode one, it was me and Chris Tannehill on this thing. I've kept people around me that I trust. I've kept people around me that I love. And I've kept people around me that challenge me. And, and look me in the face and go, that was some bullshit that you said, or have no problem pushing back. Uh, Tony has been that dude on this pod, along with Jesse Lopez, for a while now. And uh, he, is, uh, he will be missed, right? But Tony is still doing his thing in the podcast streets, right, for NBC Sports Chicago, of course, Sports Adjacent. Um, and let's face it, he is the narrator for your life here in the city of Chicago. The man... If you have anything important going on, you will get his voice behind, you know, whatever's happening in your life or if your life is ended. You know, I, 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 I yearn for, I don't yearn. That's, that's a bad way to put it. But I know there will come a day when I am no longer here. And I hope Tony Gill's voice is narrating that day. Swear to God, because he is. Um, I remember when I first met Tony as an intern at the score. And I was like, who is this young, old looking motherfucker that they brought in here? And, you know, at that time, I was like, all right, they're trying to get me out of here. So if, that, if this is the replacement, then I'm cool with it. If this, if this is the next one on the, on the line, then I'm cool with it. And the man has run laps around people in this city uh, when it comes to making his way uh, in the podcast space, uh, in the digital space. He is a dude that I lean on for ideas. He is a dude that I lean on for uh, resistance. He's a dude that I lean on for a lot of things, but he won't be with us here on the pod anymore. So, Tony... I know the people have enjoyed you. I know my mom and all my friends and everybody can't wait to bring up Tony Gill and the shit that he is doing on and for the pod. So, Tony, I just want to tell you, man, uh, thank you so much for all of your contributions. Um, I, I, you knew the moment that Tanny wasn't here anymore, you knew where I was going with it. You know, people was like, oh, you should do that. No, 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 no. I know what I'm going to do because I know I'm going to bring somebody on here who's going to keep me honest. And you have been that dude for however many episodes you've been with us, and uh, we hate to see you go, but we always know that, you know, you will be a part of this thing. And who knows? You know, maybe maybe you'll be a part of things in the future. But I appreciate all of your your input. I appreciate all of your sacrifices. This man, this man got, he proposed, he got married, did all those things, and still showed up on this pod on these godforsaking hours where he should be hanging out with this lady. You know, he'd be at his in-laws sitting there recording it while me and Jesse were at our cribs, right? Like, he is, he is, um, he is true to the game. He's true to the craft. He, is, uh, he has been a terrific partner in this thing. And more than that, he's been a great friend. So, Tony, that, that won't ever stop. But trust me, man, I appreciate everything you've done for this pod. Man, no, man. It's, when, I, when I got the call, I was like, yep, got to do it. I do it. it's Jay. I gotta do it. Um, but yeah, man, it's been, you know, fun. Uh, and I I've thoroughly enjoyed and I'm just so blessed and fortunate that I have gotten a chance to work with for and with a lot of my heroes in this business. You, Lawrence, um I I couldn't have wished for a better way to start a career right and and, and interning uh, at the score and then working with Lawrence and then moving on to um 
NBC and then working with you here at the at the Ringer, man. It's I've just been so blessed and I'm just so grateful for uh who I've come in contact with and the help that I've received um from you. Uh man, it's I wouldn't trade my experiences for anything in the world. Uh and if I don't, you know, get a chance to you know, make billions and billions of dollars or, you know, anything else doing, doing this, man, I can look back and, you know, I'm still going, I'm not, I'm not, you know, leaving the business, but, uh, uh yeah, yeah. you know, that I've, I've already had so much fun and got so many friends, uh, doing this. And I added one with Jesse Lopez and I, and, and Steve Cerruti, uh, and, and working with a, a, a low key fan of mine, Allison Turner, the, the, assassin of guest bookers like i all yes. oh, i had it i'm telling you i literally wrote it down of okay who do want to learn from who do want to ask questions to she was on the list because of her skill as a connector uh to people and i appreciate her and her help and the advice that she's given me to help me grow uh so the ringer has been a blessing to me uh and you know i'm still be in contact still be in touch uh shout out to bill you know, even though he don't know who I am, wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't know me from, <laughs> from, from from any place ever. But shout out to Bill Simmons, my guy, <laughs> for for allowing me to come on this platform and be me and, and do all this nonsense uh, that I like to do. So thank you, Jay. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, yeah, man. For 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 trusting me when you were gone with Jason and this product as well when you were out too. So I appreciate you guys, man, and uh, love you. Yeah, man. Love you too, brother. You already know what it is. And yes, don't worry. Those, those billions are coming, baby. Those billions are coming. These are the small steps. These are the small steps. We already, uh, we already charted a course that, uh, a lot of people didn't think we could or would, you know? So, um, I'm very, very happy that you were a part of the building blocks of this thing. And, uh, you know, the voice and the spirit and the energy travels. Right. There's a lot of different platforms. There's a lot of different launching pads. There's a lot of different creations. But in the end, like I told, I've told you, like I've, I've told anybody that I can get in contact with, we are the inventory. Don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever forget that. All right. For the family, right? For the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti. Of course, the act of Jesse Lopez and my main man. Tony Gill. I am Jason Goff saying thank you so much for listening to episode 224 featuring Lawrence Holmes, of course, from 670 to score Chicago Sun-Times and, of course, the House of L Network. Um, thank y'all for hanging out with us. Another pod, wherever you guys were listening to this thing, whether it was at the gym or walking them badass dogs or taking them kids to school or delivering the mail or the streets and sands people, or you out here just on the block hustling, whatever you're doing, we thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to this thing. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing and giving it the five stars that you know it needs. If not, we're going to see you in these streets. Uh, appreciate y'all. Make sure you keep that full go voicemail line close to you. 773-359-3103 is the phone number. 773-359-3103 is the phone number. And as always, we will catch you guys on Tuesday. 
All right, we got a Clippers matchup to talk about. I'm sure some more NFL draft stuff will spill out. We'll get into some more baseball, of course, because we got to talk about this Yohan Moncada back situation a little bit more and jump a little bit more in depth into the Cubs. So we got a lot to discuss coming up on Tuesday. Keep that voicemail line close to you. And as always, we leave you with this. Oh, yeah. And Tuesday, we're going to talk to Van Lathan from the Higher Learning Podcast, right? I'm going to try to get in on that Summer of the Sexes for June. I'm out there, man, in L.A. in June. I, I got to holler at you, man. I got to be on that stage with you and Rachel Lindsay. I knew Rachel Lindsay in the in the early stages of her broadcast career. Now she's done blown up on it. Shout out to Rachel. Shout out to Van. We'll be hollering at him on Tuesday. But we'll leave you with this. As always, y'all, take care of each other. Be safe. And always, always, this is going to be, this is an addendum with the new developments. Hey, man, continue to stay sucker-free out here. Y'all know what, what integrity you should and shouldn't be moving with. Don't cheat yourself in that way. Stay sucker-free. We will holler at y'all on Tuesday on the Full Bowl Podcast. All right, man. Later, right, brother. Jesse, right. be good, man. Tony, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all be smooth. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.